You see, this is my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us. And the cameras. And those wonderful people out there in the dark. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Yeah, have we been going this whole time? Yes. Oh, hi, everybody. <laughs> We're just going to leave all that in. Woo, no, do it. I won't, I won't. Okay. Hi, everybody. We're just going to start there. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to episode 91. Yay! 91. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. <laughs> and then just... I needed to take a drink. And just wait for us to just sit in silence. Pretty much. Because I had nothing to say. Just Welcome. got nothing. I'm... I've got nothing. Number 16. I know. It's pretty bitchin'. It's pretty And actually, this was actually a pretty bitchin' movie. It was a pretty bitchin'. This is Sunset Boulevard. I don't believe I can put pretty bitchin' as a response on the website. No, probably not. I don't have that programmed into the website. Fair enough. So we're going to have to say, like, I liked it. I did like (laughs) it a lot. Okay, but it's Sunset Boulevard from 1950. Mm -hmm. It's an hour and 50 minute drama and film noir. I can hear whatever Colin's listening to through his headphones. It's fine. I'm just like, what are you doing over there? Okay. Uh, 8.6 out of 10. No meta score. Roger Deeper gave this one a four star. A hack screenwriter writes a screenplay for a former silent film star who is faded into Hollywood obscurity. Directed by Billy Wilder, who's also done. What has he done for us, guys and gals? Well, he did the original, uh, the 1960s Casino Royale. Well, he just did Some Like It Hot. And Ocean's Eleven, and The Apartment, and Some Like It Hot, and... Double Indemnity. Double Indemnity, and The Seven Year Itch, and <laughs> Sabrina, and Sunset Boulevard, and... You know, just one or two movies that no one just, cares no, about. no, not really. Nothing important. Nah. I forgot we just did um, Some Like It Hot. Oh, I love that movie. Also written by Charles Brackett and Billy Wilder, and D.M. Marsham Jr. Not based on anything previous. This is a original... Original story. Now, it has been adapted into a musical. Yes, by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yes. Who yep. apparently, I was reading, they were trying to make a musical out of it pretty much ever since it came out. Really? Like, it started in the early What's 60s. What's the song that everyone knows from Sunset Boulevard? I will look that up. Because I used to have, I, I had it up. Well, I had a great, I had like an Andrew Lloyd Webber greatest hits when I was younger, and there's a song. <laughs> now we both quickly active, looky, active, looky, things Active, word, looky, words. Word. Things Word. and stuff. Words. Oh my goodness. Track. No. See all compilations. Oh, this is going to be a bad goodness. idea. Where the, where's the track listing? Wow, this episode just derailed. It really bit. did. Uh, is it the As If We Never Said Goodbye? Yes, it is. There you go. I get that and Love Changes Everything, but that's from Aspects of Love. That's not from... Oh, yeah. uh, that's right. Barbara Streisand and uh, Glenn Close have both performed the yes. character of Norma. That's in true. The they station. have. I did know that. So, yeah, it was really good. So, yeah, sorry, sorry, William Holden, Gloria Swanson, Eric Von Stroheim. Gloria Swanson, not Gloria Stewart. No. I'd like to make that clear. Nancy Olson, <laughs> um, Jack Webb, and um, Cecil B. DeMille. Yep. Hedda Hopper, Buster Keaton, Anna Q. Nielsen, and H.B. Warner. All playing themselves. Ray Evans and Jay Livingston all playing themselves. Yep. 
Which is kind of cool. I love H.B. Warner. H.B. Warner's cool. great. <laughs> he died not long after this, like eight years after this. Oh, wow. He died in 1958. H.B. Warner did. Oh. He was born in 1875. So he had a nice life. Yes. We also know H.B. Warner from many Frank Capra films, mm-hmm. including Mr. Smith Goes to Washington and It's a Wonderful Life. Indeed. I love that movie. Mr. Gower. Mr. Gower. Now, we just watched it like three movies ago. I know. So we can't watch it again. No, but we're going to watch it again because oh, it's, it's Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. So. so we will, of course, yeah. watch it. Well, we are a week and a half away from Christmas. We really are. At the point of this episode going live. Yep. Because <laughs> we totally did not record this right after we got done watching The Graduate, as we said in the previous yep, episode. <laughs> we did. <laughs> All right. That's well, um, do you have, you know what? I've realized we missed it on The Graduate. Did you have any kind of witty summary? No, I haven't had a witty summary in a long time. I We've know. kind of moved past my witty summaries. <sighs> it was okay. an era. Sorry, I'm really sniffly. I'm all stuffy. It's that time. Stop of being day. dead. Dying. Stop dying. Okay. <laughs> Do you want us to draw you like one of our French girls, or what are you doing over there? <laughs> Colin's still here. Hi, say hi, Colin. Hi, guys. There we go. <laughs> that will get picked up, I swear. It will. It used to get picked up when I sat back there and That's talked true. during Super Happy Fun Time. Um, all right, well, let's move on to awards. Okay. And then we shall come back to uh, trivia. And then I only have Inflationation for this episode. I do not have... You have stuff and things? I don't have stuff and things. It's because you're so busy doing Inflationation. Yes. Because like 13. Oh, my God. I just kept going. So, all right. Let's do awards. Okay. And then we'll uh, we'll come back. So, all right. This film had 11 Oscar nominations. Good. And a total of 24 additional award nominations. Okay. No Grammys this time. <laughs> no Grammys. No Grammys were won by the making of this okay. film. Dang, uh, it. dang it. I know, right? <laughs> um, Colin over there. Dang it. <laughs> Colin's going to be our peanut gallery for this episode. Colin. Yeah. Cat who turned on the computer. (laughs) (laughs) It was was a good 10 minute laughing fit over a picture of a cat who had turned on a computer computer. and that's the computer took a picture. Yep. It's really funny. You know what? I feel like now you yeah, he's just thinking about it. I feel it. like now you need to send me the picture. Oh, I can. So that way I can put I it on the website. I will do that right now. So that way people know what the hell we're talking mm-hmm. about. All right. Well, I guess that picture is going to be on the website yeah, for everybody. It kind of correlates with the movie when you think about it. It's true. <laughs> it really does. The cat does. looks like. Do you what, want me to just, just text it to you? Yeah, just text it to me. Okay. That's fine. I'll get it on the computer. I'll get it on the website. All right. Oscar nominations. This film was nominated for, but did not win, Best Picture. Best Actor in a Leading Role for William Holden. Best Actress in a Leading Role for Gloria Swanson. Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Eric Von Stroheim. Best Actress in a Supporting Role, Nancy Olsen. Best Director for Billy Wilde, Wilder. Wilder. Uh, and Best Cinematography for Black and White. And Best Film Editing. So it lost all of those. Okay. It won Best Writing Story Screenplay. Okay. Best Art Direction for a Black and White Film. Okay. And Best Original Music by uh, Franz Waxman. Waxman. Who we've... Dun, dun, ah! Yeah. It's, he, oh, it's so dramatic. dramatic. Way, way, way over the top dramatic movie music. Um, it was entered into the National Film Registry as of 1989. So it, it's, it was one of the first films that they entered in. Now, the film lost to... And I know we've discussed this, actually. Um, the film lost... Uh, best motion picture to All About Eve. 
Okay. Which we did that one, did we not? Was that not one of our movies, or am I? Or, All about or Eve. Did we, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Early. Early. Yeah. That was one of our earlier ones, wasn't it? Um, it lost All About Eve to that. It lost it. It lost to All About Eve for Best Director. Um, didn't lose to it for uh, uh, Best Actor or Best Actress. Um, lost to it for Best Supporting Actor. Lost to uh, Josephine Hall from Harvey for Best Supporting Actress. Um, but also lost to it for there's one other one there was there oh no no and then it, it beat it beat um, some other films out because it was in a it was a best story and screenplay this is weird okay here this Hollywood I'm telling you yeah right. at the time there was a category for best screenplay that was one category there was a category for best story that was one category okay then they had a best then a category for best story and screenplay. How does that make any sense? So basically, I don't freaking have any clue. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't. Because I, I was just thinking like, okay, so maybe they were they were giving options for people who just wrote the story, but then maybe just wrote the screenplay. Yeah, I guess. But at the same time, that still doesn't make sense because, but like the 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 story and screenplay for Sunset Boulevard was written by three different people, so. Right. It's not like, well, did, you know, did Billy Wilder just write the story, but then he would have been, like, I don't know. Right. I don't know. Either way, basically All About Eve beat its butt okay. that year. Fair and enough. I'm almost positive we talked about it way back with All About Eve. I think you are correct. Which was, wow, that was a long time ago. Um, so, yeah, that is all that I have for it. But either way, I mean, it did win Best Story, which it is a very good story. Um, it is. Well done. Very noirish. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming we're not going to spoil the ending. Yes, we are. We're going to spoil the ending? Yes, it's okay. in my trivia. We have to spoil the ending. So basically, like, the way that it was written, the, the misdirect. Yes. That, um, I, I, I kind, I basically, I, I kind of forgot about the opening until about, well, as you said, at the end when he flips the light on for the pool. So I guess spoilers, kids. Um... Total spoilers. If you don't want to know what happens yeah. at the end of this movie, you're going to get spoiled. But when he flips the light on for the pool, like you said, that's kind of when I went, oh, okay, so it actually is him. Like, yes. okay. Because you kind yep. of forget about what happened in the beginning. I didn't. I I was thinking well, the I... whole time. I'm like, it's not exactly an original. Let's, that's why, like, the whole spoiling thing mm-hmm. isn't that big a deal. It's not really an exactly now an original thing. Oh, no. No, no. The only thing that would have been different is I feel they... And I'm almost wondering if they do this in the musical. I'm wondering, because the musical would be different. They wouldn't have the pool um, if they skip the opening. Maybe. And then that way when I don't know. I've never seen killed, it, and nor a, have I seen it staged anywhere. Right. So. Like, I wonder then if it's just like a surprise that, holy crap, like, that that's where it goes. Because then that would be more shocking. Even nowadays, I think they wouldn't, they wouldn't spoil it by having it be. Because it's one of those films where it starts at the end, and then it flashes back six months. Oh, shit. No, he said it was only six months ago. This whole movie took place in six months. What the what? That's in the beginning. I just yeah, realized right. he said that. We were trying to figure out what the time frame for this movie was, and we were thinking it was like a couple years, and I just realized he said like six months earlier, or like six months ago, that this happened, blah, 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 and all that stuff. Wow, that all took place over six months. That's kind of... My crazy. mind just got blown. Yeah, because it's like, this has got to this has got to take place over at least a year. Yeah, nope. I know. That was six, six months. months. That's well, that's depressing. Dun, dun, dun. That's really depressing. Yeah. Anywho, anyway, Lindsay may continue with your section, and okay. then we'll come back from my inflation nation. All right, yeah. I have quite a bit of trivia. 
And hopefully it's not at all. Seriously, I haven't yawned once. Why? What? Oh my god. It's because it's after seven now. No, it's trivia. I just yawned for no reason. Trivia anyway. is boring to you now. Oh my god. We can always flip it up for like the last 15. No, it's not that. It's just it's like a psychosomatic thing. Because I always yawned when I started doing trivia, and now I do it when I don't need to. I hate One everyone. episode, we need to just flip. <laughs> Why? For fun. To see if I yawn or not? Oh, just for fun. <laughs> for what episode? Too bad we didn't have an episode that would be airing on April Fool's Day. Right? Because well, then we would. Actually, we might, we might because yeah. we end in the middle of April. <laughs> I don't know. Gonna, okay. I'm going to do math. I'm going to read. And you can do that. Or you could just look at your calendar. That's why. That's okay. what that's I meant not, by doing math. math. Well, it, it, I have to use multiple fingers. Oh, okay. <laughs> the Desmond Mansion was located not on Sunset Boulevard, but at 3810 Wilshire on the corner of Crenshaw and Irving Boulevard. It was built in 1924 by William Jenkins at the cost of $250,000. Its second owner was Jean-Paul Getty, who purchased it for his second wife. Mrs. Getty divorced her millionaire husband and received custody of the house. It was she who rented it to Paramount for the filming. The only addition was the swimming pool, which wasn't equipped with means of circulating the water, so it was useless after filming. The pool was used in an empty condition in the film Rebel Without a Cause in 1955. The mansion was torn down in 1957, and a two-story office building for Getty Oil built on the site still stands on the spot. By the way, technically, our uh, our April Fool's Day episode yeah. would be the number one movie on the list. Oh, no. <laughs> um, might be a joke episode that week. Oh, God. <laughs> Where we do the quote-unquote number one, one movie. movie. Hmm. <laughs> and we watch, like, re- Attack or Revenge, Revenge of the, of the Killer, Killer Tomatoes. Tomatoes or Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Ah, either one of those would be brilliant. Never mind, we've podcasted both those movies already. Screw that, we'll do them again. I don't okay. care, it's my podcast. We'll watch The Room. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and do the episode as a flat-out standard episode. Yep. Being like, well, this film won... So, well, now um, we're not going to do it, obviously, because... 78 Razzies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Did you like the message I sent yes. with the picture? Okay. That's brilliant. Okay. Uh, Okay, in On Sunset Boulevard, The Life and Times of Billy Wilder. Yawning. Ed Sikoff. That's two. I'm going to count this. No, it's like four, actually. Ed Sikoff relates a story about Wilder's explanation of the true meaning of the strange dead chimp scene from the start of the film. He says that during the mid-1990s, both Wilder and former First Lady Nancy Reagan were at a party for an opening of one of the productions of Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical based on the film. When... Reagan nearby, with Reagan nearby, an older woman approached Wilder with a question about what the chimp scene meant. Wilder's typically outrageous answer, probably intended to shock the first lady as much as to inform the woman of the true meaning of the scene was, don't you understand, before Jillis comes along, Norma Desmond was fucking the monkey. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I suppose that would have gotten a shock reaction. Upon seeing the film at a star-studded preview screening at Paramount, FGM Studio has seven. Louis B. Mayer <laughs> screamed at director Billy Wilder that he should be tarred, feathered, and horsewhipped for bringing his profession into such disrepute. Wilder's response was a terse, fuck you. <laughs> that seems like a common... Did, did he not say that for another movie? He, he, they, he wasn't that his was thing? a little, yeah. The photos of young Norma Desmond that decorate the house are all genuine publicity photos from Gloria Swanson's, Swanson's heyday. Mm. 
When Norma Desmond says to the guard at Paramount Studios, without me, there wouldn't be any Paramount Studio, the words could also apply to Gloria Swanson as she was their top star six years running. So really, this movie is slightly biographical. Oh, like they but got, not, not really. really. They got people who yeah. accurately were the people they were almost portraying. The name Norma Desmond was chosen from a combination of silent film star Norma Talmadge and silent director William Desmond Taylor, whose still unsolved murder is one of the greatest scandals in Hollywood history. On the morning of February 1st, 1922, Taylor was shot and killed in his Hollywood bungalow and his killer was never identified. Oh, interesting. Montgomery Clift signed to play the part of Joe Gillis on advice of Libby Holman. Um... Sorry, Montgomery Clift, signed to play the part of of Joe Gillis, broke his contract just two weeks prior to the start of shooting. Billy Wilder quickly offered the role to Fred McMurray, who turned it down because he didn't want to play a gigolo. Marlon Brando was considered, but the producer thought he was too much of an unknown film actor. Gene Kelly was then approached, but MGM refused to loan him out. Reluctantly, Billy Wilder met with William Holden, who hadn't done much after the great Hollywood innovator Ruben... Mamoulin's Golden Boy. Holden's films after that time had not impressed Wilder. In the 1940s, Holden's movies were decidedly mediocre. They eventually worked together on several films and became longtime friends. It was largely from his association with Wilder that Holden would enjoy great acting successes of his career, the greatest acting successes of his career in the 1950s. The movie line, All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up, was voted as the number seven movie quote by the AFI. It is also one of the most frequently misquoted movie lines, usually given as, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. Also, I'm big, it's the pictures that got small, was voted number 24. Oh, so this has two lines in that? Mm-hmm. The so did The I, Graduate. The other one I, I don't remember as much. I've heard that one. Really? Yeah. The plastics one well, from The Graduate, I guess I remember I, a little bit more. I but... don't, yeah. As a practical joke, during the scene where William Holden and Nancy Olsen kiss for the first time, Billy Wilder let them carry on for minutes without yelling, cut. I actually had to burp there. That was was not a yawn. We appreciate you. He'd already gotten the shot he needed on the first take. Eventually, it wasn't Wilder who shouted, cut, but Holden's wife, who happened to be on set that day. Um, let's see. Montgomery Clift quit the production because, like the character of Joe, was having an affair with a wealthy middle-aged act, former actress Libby Holdman, and was scared the press would start prying into his background. Hmm. Um, Norma Desmond says that she paid, uh, $28,000 for the car. Yep. U.S., uh, or, uh, $28,000 in 1929 oh. was the equivalent. Oh. Do you have it? Yeah, I do. Then I won't spoil it. Okay. Well, I have the 2009 price, not okay. the now price. Which I would have the 2014 price. Do you want to hear the 2009 price to compare it? Probably going to be about 40000 less. Okay, then I won't ruin it. When the crew <laughs> well, members... Well, you, you do... No, no, do, no, no. Do, keep, keep track of where it's at. We'll okay, do it I'll when we try. come back to it. When crew members ask Wilder how he was going to shoot the burial of Norma's monkey, one of the film's most bizarre scenes, he just said, you know, the usual monkey funeral sequence. (laughs) I like Billy Wilder. He seems like a dick, but he seems like a Mm -hmm. great dick. Sorry, um, that sounded weird. The he anti- sounds like a fun guy, yeah. is what I should be saying. The antique car used as Norma Desmond's limousine is an Isota Fraschini and once belonged to 1920 socialite Peggy Hopkins Joyce. It was a gift from her lover, automobile magnate Walter Chrysler. Oh, really? Yep. Hedda Hopper and Buster Keaton, who make cameos as themselves in the movie, both died on the same day, February 1st, 1966. Oh, According to Gloria Swanson's daughter, Michelle 
Amon. Her mother stayed in character throughout the entire shoot, even speaking like Norma Desmond when she arrived home in the evening after filming. On the last day of shooting, Swanson drove back to the house. She, her mother, and daughter sharing during shared during production, announcing that there are only three of us in it now, meaning that Norma Desmond had taken her leave. So that there was... Yeah, she's not crazy anymore. Oh, good. <laughs> Eric von Stroheim dismissed this his participation in this film, referring to it as that butler role. In 98, this was the 12th greatest film of all time by the AFI. So it dropped a little bit. Mm-hmm. Directions made by Paramount Guard by the Paramount Guard for Norma and Joe to go meet Cecil B. DeMille, sorry, Cecil B. DeMille on stage 18 are accurate. This stage, one of the largest on the Paramount lot, was known for years as the DeMille stage and is now called the Star Trek stage, as all the Trek movies and some scenes from the TV show have been shot there. The TV series... Uh, next gen onward had their main sets right across the street in stu- stages eight and nine, which are right below the second floor office occupied by Betty Schaefer in Sunset Boulevard. Those offices later became the home of the Star Trek art department. Interesting. Mae West rejected the role of Norma Desmond because she felt she was too young to play a silent film star. In 1989, the Library of Congress selected this film as one of the 25 landmark films of all time. See, saying it that way, I feel like. That makes more sense. In well, that's for the yeah. National Film Registry, though. Yeah, that is the National Film That makes film sense. Registry. Yeah, I yeah. know. I that it made that in my head for them. That makes more sense. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> the writers feel, feared that Hollywood would react unfavorably to such a damning portrait of the film industry, and so the film was codenamed a can of beans while in production. Okay, you wait a real quick. You said Mae West denied uh, or didn't want to do the film because she thought she was too young. Uh-huh. She was fifty-seven when yeah. this movie got made, which is still seven years. Older than that character is supposed to be. <laughs> hey, West, you crazy. Um, here's some technology a little bit. Ooh. The original nitrate negatives for the film have long disappeared. The only extant film elements were 35mm inner positives struck in 1952, which had undergone a great deal of decay. This inner positive was scanned at 2,000 lines of resolution and electronically restored for the 2002 DVD reissue. The restoration was performed at Lowry Digital by Barry Allen and Steve Elkin. A new 4K high-definition scan was done in 2008 for the film's release on Blu-ray. So basically what they did is they scanned it at 2K, which it's not really a thing, but they scanned it at 2K resolution to be put onto the 1920x1080s. So that way it's actually, they scan it at a higher resolution than what it displays on the Blu-ray. Right. So that way there's more detail. Then they rescanned it and did a 4K, which is now like uber HD. So it's even more (laughs) high def. Despite the fact that Eric von Stroheim plays a butler slash chauffeur he couldn't drive in real life, and during the scenes in which he drove, the car was towed by another car. <laughs> in the scene where he drives Norma Desmond and Paramount at pictures at the studio gate, the car was pulled by men with an out-of-camera rope, and he still managed to hit the gates. <laughs> <sighs> this is Wilder and Charles Brackett's 17th and final screenplay collaboration. After the completion of Sunset Boulevard, Wilder shocked his longtime collaborator by announcing he wished to dissolve their partnership. This was the result of a fierce quarrel over a montage scene in the film, and the two men never worked together again. That's weird. Let's see. Dead silence. Dead silence. Dead silence. Mark, 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 mark. Some of this stuff is not. <laughs> Some of this is crap. <laughs> It's just like, <laughs> la la la, you want to talk about anything? 
I can, well, I I mean, I, I don't really have much do, to talk do, do. about. I was hoping there was not a lot of stuff with casting, but there is. Um, really, the only thing I have is is just is just my, my section. The first floor set of Norma Desmond's mansion was also used in the Western comedy Fancy Pants, starring Bob Hope and Lucille Ball, which gave oh. fans a chance to see it in full color. Oh, interesting. I didn't think about that. Daryl F. Zanuck, Olivia de Havilland, Tyrone Power, and Samuel Goldwyn all refused to allow their names to be used in the film, but Billy Wilder decides to use Zanuck and Power's names anyway. Oddly enough, the reclusive Greta Garbo granted permission to use her name, though when she saw the film itself, she was sorry she had done so. She felt that Wilder used her name in a past tense context and was offended. <sighs> Gloria Swanson was 50 when principal photography started. So, so she, she was the age. She was the, the correct age. Gloria Swanson was paid $50,000 plus $5,000 per week for any time over schedule. Cecil B. DeMille agreed to do his cameo for a $10,000 fee in a brand new Cadillac. That's a good deal. When Billy Wilder went back to him later to secure a close-up, DeMille charged him another ten grand. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Yay, directors. <laughs> directors being directors. Yeah, pretty much. According to Cameron Crowe, who shadowed Billy Wilder in his twilight years, a typical day in his office would consist of him making answering numerous phone calls from people requesting to remake this film, upon which he would inform them he didn't own the rights and promptly hang up. <laughs> Set a non-holiday all-time house record of $166,000 at Radio City Music Hall when it opened. It's a lot of money. Hundred and fifty six thousand? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like close to a million. I don't have I'm I'm estimating. I'm getting really good at figuring out how much money yeah. um like what inflation is and like what like what's happened based upon a certain era. Um yeah, oh it's one point five million. That was a little under. Um Norma Shearer turned down the role of Norma Desmond as she didn't want to come out of retirement and also found the part to be highly distasteful. I don't <clears throat> I guess I guess I understand why, like a lot of these uh, like like golden age or like southern era actors and actresses didn't want to be a part of this because they saw it as just this mm-hmm. whole like dig on Hollywood. Yep. But this movie is, I mean, so what? Like you, you're you're that protective of your career that you don't want to be made fun of. Nowadays, actors make fun of themselves all the time. So it was just it must have been just that era where it was like, okay, you know, I'm. I care about my image too much that I don't want to be teased and made fun of. Whatever. People are weird. Make fun of yourself. It's funny. One of only 13 films to be nominated for Best Film, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, and Best Director. For the record, the other 12 films to achieve a similar feat are Mrs. Miniver from 1942, A Streetcar Named Desire from 1951, From Here to Eternity from 1953, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf from 1966, Bonnie and Clyde from 1967, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner from 1967, Network from 1978, Coming Home from 1978, Reds from 1981, and Silver Linings Playbook and American Hustle. Hmm. Boom! I love both those last two movies. (laughs) I love, like, anything that, uh, Oh my God, David O. Russell. Does. There you go. <laughs> All I think was David O. Selznick. Like that's, that's how long it. we've been doing old movies. <laughs> yeah, we're we're just in that frame of mind of old films, old movies. <laughs> uh, Billy Wilder wanted Hedy Lamarr to 
appear in a cameo in the scene where Norma and Joe visit uh, DeMille at Paramount. As DeMille is directing Lamar at the time in Samson and Delilah, this would have been no problem. However, DeMille insisted that Lamar be paid 25 grand for the privilege, so the idea was quickly dropped. <laughs> these Holly- I, I almost feel like these filmmakers and all these people did that on purpose because they knew that they weren't going to pay. Right. They were just trying oh, to do it to a shut them up. a bunch of stuff in the spoiler section. Well, we already spoiled the ending, so. That's true. In one of the opening shots, the camera looks up from the bottom of the swimming pool at the face of Gillis's body floating in the pool of the police on the poolside looking down. Which does not look like It him, is not possible to shoot through water and get a clear image beyond. This was solved by placing a large mirror on the bottom of the pool and shooting into its reflection. This wasn't the original opening and was filmed long after the completion of filming. Maybe that's the reason why it doesn't look like him then. Because it was long after production had wrapped. So maybe, you know, Bill Holdham actually changed kind of the way he looks a little bit and interesting anyways um oh gloria swanson played her final descent on the stair- staircase and into madness barefoot as she was terrified of tripping if she'd worn high heels since her part required her to gaze at the newsreel camera and fans i.e the waiting police mm-hmm. gather in the fire below she couldn't watch where she placed her feet and she burst into tears upon the completion of the scene Oh, no. (laughs) Highly unusual at the time, Charles Brackett and Billy Wilder had Joe Gillis narrate From Beyond the Grave, the sad tale of the final months of his life, while the film simultaneously depicts the still-living Gillis experiencing those events, unaware of the fate his dead self already knows. This parallel parallel narrative, two perspectives from the same character, one omniscient and one one blissfully ignorant, that converge at the moment of Joe's death are a major reason the film retains such dramatic and emotional power. Billy Wilder was frustrated with people assuming that the ending was meant to be ambiguous and asking him what happens to Norma after the final dissolve. He said, I have no idea. All I know is that she's Meshuggah. That's all. Meshuggah? I don't know. That's the end. Wait, wait. People were confused about how the movie ended? she goes to jail. Yeah. The whole, like, close-up was that she was going to be interviewed by everybody and then taken and arrested because they they had the proof that she killed him. How is that confusing? I don't know. People of the 50s were weird. I'm 50. <laughs> I'm 50 years old. 50. I'm 50. Okay, and my last trivia piece. There's a little dig in the scene when Cecil B. DeMille finds out that Paramount has been calling Norma Desmond because it wants to rent her car for the Crosby picture. The truth of the matter was that Bing Crosby was one of the few actors to whom Billy Wilder had borne a grudge, mainly because Crosby had done the unthinkable during filming The Emperor's Waltz and ad-lib dialogue, something he and Bob Hope had done for years as standard operating procedure in their breezy road pictures. Yep. Charles Bracken and Wilder were just as adamant that nothing in their script should be changed and nothing new added. Interesting. Interesting. So he hated him because he ad-libbed. Yep. Ugh, okay. People are weird. Anyways, well, we're going to do Inflation Nation. Okay. We'll come back for final thoughts. Okay. And then we'll be done. Okay. This episode is already longer than The Graduate. It is. All right. Inflation Nation. There wasn't a lot to talk about with The Graduate. It's a good movie. (laughs) Watch it. It's on Netflix. Uh, God. Scuba Steve. So I think think this is on Netflix, too, actually. I didn't actually look. Uh, Do you want to look? Did you want to look just to see? I'm like 27,000% sure it is. Um, All right. Inflation Nation. 1950, I took the year because it didn't say um, any other year for the events mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, I knew that it was at least post-1949 because the car that he, that uh, Gills drove was a 1949 Ford convertible. Yes. So we, I knew it was at least 1949. I just took the year that the movie was made in. Okay. 
25 cents is the amount to park in the parking lot. It was on a sign. That's the oh, I'm, I'm wrong. It's not on Netflix. It's not on Netflix? I think it was. Oh, sad Sorry. day. Um, the amount to park in the parking lot is the equivalent of $2.46. A million dollars is the max that the pitcher bases loaded could be made for. Actually, he said it wouldn't, it wouldn't even make, even take, make, or it wouldn't even cost a million dollars, but I just did a million. That's the equivalent of $9.8 million. $300 is the amount that Gillis asks to borrow to keep his car. That's okay. how much he owes. That's the equivalent of $2,900. 50 cents is the amount in nickels Gillis had in to nickels. make phone calls to find work. That's equivalent of $4.93. $20 is the amount that one of the callers said he'd pay him, pay mm-hmm. Gillis, but Gillis refused because it wasn't enough. That's the equivalent of $197. Okay. $35 is the amount of pay per week working at a newspaper or behind the desk in right. Ohio. Yep. That's $344 a week. Okay. So it's not a lot of money, but it's, right. you know, it was money. It was better than nothing. And finally, $28,000, here you go, was the amount yep. Norma paid to have the car built for her or brought over for her yep. from overseas in 1929. So here's what I did. I did the math from 1929, not from 1950, because right. she said it was $28,000 in 1929. Right. That is the equivalent to $388,000. And in 2009, it was $347,472. I said it was 40000 off. Yep. Yeah, yeah! I'm getting good at this inflation crap. Woo! I have no idea how that's a life skill. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Somewhere. Somewhere, I'm going to be able to use this life skill of inflation. Uh, <laughs> that's so messed up. Anyways. Really good. Uh, yeah, and that's all I have for Inflation Nation. I do not have any um, stuff and things with Jeff. Nope. Mostly just because... He was keeping track of Inflation Nation. I was keeping track of Inflation Nation. And then I just kind of started watching the movie again. Well, I kept yelling at them for talking over it. Because you would pick the most inopportune times to talk. I know. I'm like, stop talking I know. when we there's missed... ex- exposition happening. Because here's the thing. Okay, so here we go. We'll go right into, uh, we'll go right into our, our feelings regarding okay. the movie. The movie is very much so noir. It is. Um, Probably not... As much as Double Indemnity, do you think? No, definitely not. Flat out a noir film. Yes, it is. But this one has very much so kind of that like pulp comic, like old school pulp novel vibe. The whole like narrator being like, so Uh six months ago I started off. It's very similar to like Maltese Falcon. Yes, yes, and. So, like, there's points in it where even, how long is it? It was, like, what, two almost two hours Almost long? two hours. Just shy of two hours. So, you have a you have a two-hour gap or two-hour window of time. There's still a lot of dialogue that, right. gets, that gets delivered. And it's, again, it's one of those where you miss a line of dialogue and you've missed a plot point. Yep. Because everything back in the day relied on, or at least for the pulp films or the, the noir films, mm-hmm. everything relied on you paying attention. They never reiterated something. Unless it was, like, to reveal something right. later on. And then at that point, the reveal was ruined because you missed the initial setup. Exactly. So, yes, I do recommend you paying attention when you watch the movie. Yes. Uh, I did, eventually. Uh, <laughs> just, yes, thank you. We couldn't help but to... Uh, couldn't help no, but it to... wasn't that we weren't paying attention. You guys would just pick the most inopportune times <laughs> to talk. That's true. <laughs> um... So yeah, so um, I I I actually I I I liked this. I don't want to say I actually. Too. I liked this movie. <laughs> actually, no, I, I liked it too. I didn't love it because it, that's saying like I love a movie is one of those where it's like you, you kind of 
If I'm not like talking that. about it for like another two days, I mean, I liked it, but I wasn't like in love with it. Right, right. There's a, there's a difference. There's a level. Not, there's a difference between me being like obsessively passionate about it and really liking it. I do the same thing when it comes to the music in my iTunes. Like I rate yeah, it. I star I my stuff. But my what is playing? <laughs> what is? Why? What is? You, did you run into oh, the tag you know at what? the end? There we go. I did. I ran into the tag okay. at the end. Holy crap! Yeah, Jeff is like freaked out. What is playing? Right? Can they hear that? My, my, <clears throat> my, my, my tag for the end of the episode just started playing in my headphones. And I started freaking out. So no. did they hear that or no? Um, they might. It might have picked it up from coming out of my okay. headphones because the speaker right. was facing that. But they probably they didn't. It didn't actually like pick up, pick up. Okay, totally, Because it doesn't record that. Anywho. Okay, good. Um, no, I only like oh my like my iTunes songs. Like I pick, I only give a five star rating to. The songs I love. See, and I don't love. read anything. I do because I make playlists based upon do. my ratings. I know you do. That's the only reason why. Just because I then I know like these songs, I love these songs, and there's not gonna be one I'm gonna skip. Right. And that's exactly why I do it. Right. So it's the long drives home. Well, not I, long drives. It's I, drives I, I home. Understand. So you don't want to have to be fiddling with my phone. So anywho, um, your final thoughts regarding it. You drive as much it. as I do. You don't have to tiptoe that's, around the long true. drive thing with me. I suppose so. That's true because we both left the same time and pretty much got back to Janesville at the same time. Yeah. True. Anyways, yeah, we your, drive about forty-five minutes a piece. Your thoughts regarding the movie? I liked it. She's super scary. Oh my god, she's so scary! Like I kept going, oh god! Like I think I said, Jesus! Like, like know, the dude says it in Big Lebowski. Jesus! She, she's bulging her eyes out, and that's like she does. She's primarily. got her eyes like, and they they have her made up, so her eyes are like that too. They have her makeup that way. <clears throat> but yes, she's very. Very creepy. That woman's like batshit crazy. She was like, oh my god. That's, it's it it's terrifying how kind of creepy. Yeah, it really was. And the thing, well, and what did you ask me when the movie ended? Like right before it ended, like she had better have won. Tell me she won I, like a I best said, actress. Yeah, I'm like, did, did she win an Oscar for this? She better have won an Oscar for this. It, the performance was very well done. She did a. They all actually all all of them did a good job, but she she did an amazing job portraying just. Like, and I mean, I asked that question. I'm like, I can't tell if she's crazy or just sad. It's both. And it was. It is legitimately both because she's, it's, she's, she is batshit crazy because she's, she believes that she's still relevant. Right. You know, pretty much 25 years after she was Mm -hmm. relevant and that one day they're going to come back and that she's just in this like fantasy world that she's created for herself. Right. But at the same time, it's sad because like she almost realizes like she knows that it's not going to happen, mm-hmm. but there's that other part of her that's like, no, 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 don't be crazy. They're going to come back. They're going to come back type of thing. And it's right. just, it's kind of sad. Yeah. Sad. 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 So anyways, ah, oh my I'm goodness. Fifty. <laughs> you scared <laughs> the living crap out of me when you did that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> there's a nice little, Peak? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> oh my goodness. Oh boy. Colin just scared the crap out of me. It's he cool. Thanks, Colin. <laughs> All right. Oh, <laughs> Let's. Also, subscribe to Super Fun <laughs> Yes. Ghosthat.net. Check out the newest episode of Super Happy Fun Time that Colin and myself recorded. Uh, uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. It's pretty, it was pretty good. It's, it's not this show. 
Even though I, at the end, sat there waiting for you to go, it's all uphill from here, because <laughs> I'm just, I, that's what I'm used to. <laughs> all right, Lindsay. What is, our, what is our next movie? Our next movie is the Christmas special. That is true. Do we tell them what we're doing and what it is? I suppose they'll eventually see it. I mean, they're going to see it when they download it. Yeah. Should we wait until it happens? I mean, happens? I could technically label it like the the, the Top Shelf Christmas Let's Spectacular. We're not going to tell you no, what it is. We will, however, have to record a little intro because if yes. we're doing what we're doing, we have to give the people at home a tip on what to do yes, while listening do. to the podcast. Because yep. there is some user interaction. There is. So, it's going to be great. It's going to be very entertaining. <laughs> I just hope said movie goes up on Netflix. Uh, it's, oh, not, yeah. it's not yet. It's not up yet there? Okay. So we are doing a Christmas special um, that will be out before Christmas. It's, um, it is Christmas movie related. Again, much like our Halloween special. Yep. It's not a top it's ten It's not a list. top ten though. It's um, it's it's something else that's that we both enjoy. Yes, so that's as is. much as we'll yep. do and as much as we'll say for it. So I'm assuming because that episode's not actually going to have a uh, like a proper ending, talking about what our next right. movie is. Do you want to just talk about what the actual next movie on the list is? That'll, um, that'll it go is up 2001: A Space. Actually, it'll go up after the first of next year. Yes, right. Because we are gonna we're gonna take, take the last break. week off. Yeah. That's what we did last year. That's what we're gonna do this year. Yep. Gets too busy during the holidays. We see each other enough during that time. Which, of course, this is the year that I don't work. <laughs> well, I do. You work, though. You're going to be busy. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm in school, but I'm still going to be working. True. So after the first of the year, so we have our Christmas special next week, and then we are going to take a couple weeks off, and then we'll come back after the first of the year with yep. the final 15. Yep. I don't, I don't, I don't know why there was ghosts. I don't know either. That's kind of weird. It just happens like that. Merry Christmas. Um, ghosts. So I guess, Lindsay, then with that. It's all uphill from here, kids. It is all uphill from here. And because I'm not going to be able to say it next time, Merry Christmas and good night, Radio Rahim. And say good night and Merry Christmas, CK Dexter Haven. Why are you all? You can say goodnight to Radio Raheem at the end of the next episode. He'll never get to celebrate Christmas again. Oh, God, again. don't be a downer. <laughs> Fictional character, Jeff. But I loved him. I know you did. Him and his giant boombox. It was like 80 movies ago. <laughs> it was like almost two years ago. It you was, realize that, right? I, know. I need to watch it again. I'm going to watch it and be like, this movie sucks. Why no, do we like this? You will not say I will, that that's about blasphemy. Do the right thing. That is blasphemy. Do the Right Thing is a great film. Yeah, it is. Right, Colin? Fifty. Yep, okay. <laughs> Don't get off the boat. Never get off the Christmas boat. boat. This has been a production of Ghost Hat Media, proud member of the Ghost Hat Network. Find them online at www.ghosthat.net. <laughs> I like the ending.